You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the Thunderdome. Welcome to Crunch Time here with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. The game hotline is 337 706 0111. And here in Acadiana, watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. We're back, thawed out, uh, hell froze over this weekend. The the Saints won back-to-back games. I didn't, I didn't think it was even possible. Uh, producer, co-host, James Mesh. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? You didn't want to elaborate more? I mean, it's kind of hard to. There, there's not much else I can say about you. I mean, I can think of a few more things. Other than producer and co-host. Producer, co-host. Okay, yeah, there you go. Stealing my ideas, but go on. Whoops your butt in fantasy. Oh, there it is. There it is. Guy, oh. guy who doesn't lock himself out. And there it is. Okay. You're opening up a can of worms 90 seconds into the show. Awesome. How was your Christmas, sir? Oh, it was pretty good. Yeah, uh-huh. The only thing that uh, kind of sucked was a toilet when uh went out. Oh, darn. So y'all went from three to two. That's a first world problem there, James. That's a first world problem. It was a hiccup. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, it was it was it was really good. It was really that's good. Christmas. A, that's a darn. The men have to now pee outside. Dang it! Come on. I said it was a really good Christmas. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was. I'm just I saying had, there was one hiccup. I I had a fine Christmas as well. Um, I was gonna ask you, but you kept complaining, but. Christmas Eve and Christmas Day were great. Yeah. The the Thursday Thursday night, night? Friday morning before it. That's that's a time frame I'd like to forget. (laughs) That's where the monkey rich came in. Um, So Matt locked himself out of his house at 10 o'clock at night in 35 degree weather. Wearing shorts. Are you serious? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, so, I, I learned that smart locks aren't smart without a smart device. Yeah. <laughs> I went outside to wrap my pipes, closed my door, and the door automatically locked and I had no phone, no keys as neither did my wife. So we're both outside in the cold with no way to get into our house. Say what? <laughs> now, now you use the audio. Now you use them. It's a post Christmas miracle. <laughs> okay. And so that, that was just a, a, a grand old time. Um, ended up having to spend the night at my dad's house. Shout out, shout out to pops. 
came came pick me up at 11:30 at night and, and and brought us to his house. Uh, that was that was awesome. Uh, my dog, on the other hand, I mean, she was living like a like a queen. She had the house to herself all night long. I mean, what 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 more could you want if you're a dog? It's fantastic. And to add on to it, didn't you have some candles? Yeah, I had a candle or two burning. Uh, so that that was that was stressful. But uh, slept about what four hours? Yeah, I, I didn't get much sleep. Uh, went to, went to bed about two. I think I woke up about six. Uh, it, it wasn't great. Um, did and, you learn and, your lesson, you guys? And, and then because of all of this, uh, I did not get to travel to Shreveport to the Independence Bowl. Um, but you know now, with how cold it was, and the way that the game went, I mean, who knows? Maybe it was a blessing in disguise. Cajuns falling to the Houston Cougars 23-16. to We will break down that game throughout today's show. We will also prep for LSU's matchup with Purdue in the Citrus Bowl, which is six days away now. Uh, we, will, we will talk with Preston Guy a little later on to get his thoughts on that matchup. And Ross Jackson will join us at the top of hour number two to talk about the Saints going up to sub-freezing Cleveland, Ohio, and getting a win over the Browns. However, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning, they now have to win out, and Tampa has to lose both of their games if the Saints want to make the playoffs. So that's your poll question. Will the Saints make the playoffs? Hell yeah, they will, or no shot, no prayer. Let's go to the game hotline now. Hello. Yes, I have. I have a question. I actually have a recommendation for a different poll question. My name is Raymond. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller to Crunch Time with the Migos in the Mess. Uh, I think a different poll question should be: Is Matthew Migos an actual responsible adult? Yes, no, or maybe. I think we should throw that out there. How do you lock yourself out of your house? You're a grown man. Appreciate the phone call, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So as soon as I leave the studio this you're, evening. You're going to cry in a corner. No, I'm going to Walmart and printing about four spare keys. As you probably should. Um because As you should have already. Yes, I know, James. We have learned. You, hey, I, I appreciate it. You live and you learn. Yeah. Uh huh. Froze, froze my ass off. In shorts. It was horrible. And I remember I closed the door, and my wife gives me this death stare, like, "Why did you just do that?" And I was like, "It's okay. I'll just go through the backyard. I'll go open the back door." She said, "Too bad. I already locked it." Well, okay. It was funny because Thursday night, I was playing franchise, and I, I had my phone propped up <laughs> on my new charger. So, I, and I, I see notification from Miguez on Twitter. It says, "Lock myself out of my house." It's like, oh, oh, I can't. <laughs> I've got to pause this game. Got to find out what happened. And this man told me br- just break in. I did. You could have. Could have broke a window to get in. 
and you just shut off the alarm. There's no alarm on the windows. Then you would have been fine. Then you wouldn't even have to worry about the alarm. But then I would have had a broken window in a sub-freezing house. Cover it up. With what? Tape. Oh, Duct tape. Oh, James. Oh, James. Oh, buddy. Anyways. You put you put a towel over and you just tape the towel to the door? Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. You would have still been in your house and you wouldn't have, and you weren't would have having to worry about the candle or your dog being by itself. But guess what? The candle didn't fall. Correct. She slept through the night and everything was fine. Even better one. Even better. Cardboard. I didn't have any cardboard. I actually do. There have, it is. I have Amazon boxes. There it is. I was going to say, I you order have, from online all the time. I, I could have rigged something up. Um, but, you know, I, I digress. You live and you learn. I will not lock myself out of the house again. Hopefully. We hope. God. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a smart person sometimes. Uh, 337-706-0111. Like we said, the Saints beat the Browns. The Cajuns lose their bowl game. You had fantastic Christmas Day basketball. Uh, we'll get into that as well. Uh, top story, Nathan- one of the top stories we'll get to today, Nathaniel Hackett has been fired by the Denver Broncos, not even finishing his first season. He's only the fifth coach in NFL history to not yeah, finish their full fourth, season. Fourth or fifth. Um, and then, you, 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 ready, you ready for this? Oh, I'm so ready. This is a statement released from the Denver Broncos on Twitter. The decision or or Tuesday they said that they believe in the future of quarterback Russell Wilson and that his subpar play for much of the season was not the driving factor in the decision to fire Nathaniel Hackett. It was the easy decision though. Yeah, it was. The franchise also believes that Russell can return to the level of play from earlier in his career, saying he can be fixed. Now, let's be let's be very, very clear on something. Russell Wilson has not played well in 2022. At all. However, would I go as far as to say that the man could be fixed? Eh, that's stretching it a little bit. I mean, what do you what do you need to fix? Well, if the reports from before we had mentioned are true, where he's making Seattle audibles. Well, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Then that's not that's not great. And also Feel like the, I feel like he's maybe taking a little dip in his confidence. But when a Which, guy when, when you when you see your own teammates like have shown like almost no faith in you, when 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 a guy has, I mean that 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 takes a hit to your confidence. I mean, let's be honest: the Broncos don't have a great offensive line. It's okay. It's not great. You have very no, but we we saw him do better with worse in Seattle. But here, here's the key thing for, for, for me. I, I'm not a huge fan of his weapons. I don't think he has a standout 
go-to receiver. Now, is it unfortunate that his top two backs, and I think his top three backs, are all gone? Yep. Yeah. You don't have Noah Fant now, so now, and you thought you had one tight end be your tight end one when it turns out it's a different tight end and Greg Dolich? Yeah, but I, even though DK is better than Cortland and Jerry Judy, for sure, and I, I believe Tyler Lockett is better than Jerry Judy, I don't think he's better than I mean, dude, Corlin Sutton. Your 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 third starting wide receiver. Was, he also went down. Tim Patrick went down for the year. Was well, yeah, but right right now on the depth chart, your your third starting wide receiver, KJ Hamler, is Kendall Hinton. Kendall Hinton, the guy that suited up for the Broncos at quarterback. A couple of years ago. Now you also have KJ Handler, who is who is a strong he he he's a good wide receiver. And I like Cortland Sutton and I like Jerry Judy, but again, the the wide the offensive line problem and then the lack of running backs. I mean, when a fleeting Latavius Murray turns into your guy, that's an issue. Denver's going to have to put some pieces around him if you want him to go back to what he was. Because let's also not forget, Russell Wilson's 34 years old. He's two years, maybe three, away from retirement. So, of course, his his play is going to take a dip as he gets closer and closer to retiring. But it should have never taken this far of a dip. You could understand maybe... Like four less touchdowns, you could understand that, but the fact that he's at twelve, and they played fifteen games, and a third of it came in one game, and I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with many, that. He has as many touchdowns as he has bathrooms in his house. But also, I could, I could rebuttal that and say how much of that falls on the coaching, how much of that falls on the play calling. And that's why you get rid of the bad coach that I've been saying was a bad coach since week one. And I I completely fell off the Broncos and was like, I am off that ship. So you go get an off a veteran. Not you don't take a chance on a young offensive mind. You go get a veteran offensive mind that knows how to deal with quarterbacks. So who who do you think the, the Broncos should hire? I initially thought even though I don't think he's on the list, I initially thought about maybe Denver over time. Even though I know Sean Payton, all of a sudden, he has gotten a lot of talk about him coming back and Tom Brady going to the Saints with him. But I feel like Denver, depending on what they do this offseason, I feel like that could be that could be an interesting destination for him. Because it's not like you're dealing with a 46-year-old, potentially, if Tom does join. Sean in New Orleans, you'd have a 34-year-old Russ. I've seen the name Jim Caldwell getting thrown around. Could he make a return to coaching? That's an interesting that's an interesting thought. Uh Caldwell did have some success as the coach of the Indianapolis Colts for for that short stretch and then he was he was with the Lions and I mean that was okay. 
Um, spent a lot of time under Tony Dungy when when Peyton Manning was there. That's interesting. That that's definitely an interesting way to look at it. Um, could that be a an option? Because in his first season with Detroit, they did go eleven and five. They lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Cowboys. On that on that crazy no call. Yeah. That's a that that's an interesting uh that, that's an interesting way to look at it. Uh let's go to the hotline now. Martin, what's up? Hey Matt, I, real quick, I just wanna let you know you're not alone because about a week or two ago I locked myself out my house, but what made my episode worse is I have a spare key, but guess where my spare key was? In my house. But oh, Martin. and plus it, plus it wasn't quite as cold. And a uh, good thing my dad lives about a block away, and he had uh, another spare key I was able to get in my house. But uh, you're not alone. It happens to the best. Oh, and another another thing, too. When I first bought the house, didn't even sign the papers or anything. The, girls let, the girl I bought it from, she let me move in uh, a little bit early before all the paperwork was done. And guess what I did then? I locked myself out of the house. So I had Papa Lock over there not believing me that it was my house and all that stuff. But anyway, uh, just wanted to share that with you, buddy. You're not alone. Even the Cowboys fans do it. Have a good one, buddy. Appreciate the call, Martin. I I, I have no the, words. The sympathy. I have no words anymore. You're just built alternatively. I'm going to say this, though. I'm gonna, and I'm going to say this because I know she's not listening. The look that I got from my wife when that door closed, I never want again. Ever. I never want to see that look again. Your heart dropped. Your heart was in your stomach. Goal, dude. It was like riding a roller coaster. Like, oh, no. My wife doesn't. Oh, no. My wife. Yeah. <laughs> It's rare that I'm scared of my wife. I was scared when I closed that door. That, oh, man, never never want that again. Anyways, the biggest names in today's music taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023 with Hangout Fest returning May 19th to the 21st. The Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and more. And the game wants to hook you up with VIP passes to Hangout Fest. Enter in the Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you access to exclusive viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like none other. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. We will take a timeout, wrap up our number hour number one wrap up segment number one and when we come back we will talk the independence bowl where the cajuns fell to houston 23 to 16 and we have audio from head coach michael desermo here on the game southwest louisiana sports station in your home for the lsu tigers and world series champion houston astros got something to say to Miguez and mesh hell yeah it's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Man, Garrett Nussmeyer's feeling the cheesiest, didn't he? 
I'll explain what I'm talking about here in a second. Let's go to the hotline. Frank, what's up? Not a lot, but dude, I, I gotta do it. Uh, uh, first, first off, I gotta ask: Can you operate a paper bag? Can I operate a paper bag? Yes. Yes. Okay, but you lock yourself out your own house. I'm not even sure if they should trust you with a rubber band or a pop gun. You lock yourself out your own house, and then you get a Cowboys fan at your back, and your street cred points they plummeting. Uh, you might, you might just want to never ever talk about this again. I'm, I'm trying not to. My gosh, I mean, I wouldn't even led with that or, or said anything about it. I'd have just said, "Oh no, smooth sailing," you know. Oh, I, I like. Oh, the, oh Frank, the stare, Frank, I, I was, I was not going to say anything about it, but I have a producer and co-host that just likes to make fun of me at every single passing avenue that he can. You made yourself Ralph Furley on this because you put it on the Twitter. You should have never put it on the Twitter. Uh-huh. I mean, well, I mean, how do you how do you do that, bruh? I put a rock in the door. Don't let it close all the way. I mean, the death stare from your wife. You should be happy. That's all you got. I mean, I mean you could have you could have been thrown in a coolie or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was an eventful start to the weekend, to say the least. Well, uh, I, I wish you the best of luck in the future. But, yeah, next time, just go ahead and break a pane of glass. He, I mean, he's not asking you to do some diehard type stuff and shoot all the glass in your house. Just break a single pane. A towel and duct tape works wonders. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll learn that for next time. Thanks, Frank. You're welcome. Oh, man. We give you good ideas. You just You just don't want to take them. Well, James, what do, you, what do you want me to do with the good idea now? N- now I've, I've got my phone back, so I can just unlock the door. Now I've got no issues getting into my house. But next time. Because we asked, why didn't you do this? No, 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 there won't be a next time. <laughs> Matt, Matt's not getting locked out of the house again. Is this the Matt Miga's guarantee? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm giving every family member that lives within a 30-minute radius a key. Look, if something happens, y'all come, y'all come help me out. I'm saving this audio clip right now. Actually, I might give you one. <laughs> I might give you one. I might give Ray and Hannah one. I mean, give Foot one. Oh, yeah. Why not? He's, I, he's five minutes away for you. Foot, foot, foot. I like Foot. We can do that. Give Jordy one. Give Give Aaron one. Give Clint one. So the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns traveled up to Shreveport to play in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl against Houston. Jumped out to a 16-6 advantage in this game and then didn't score again as Houston scored 17 unanswered points to win the game 23-16 on a late touchdown by Nathaniel Tank Dell on a six-play, 92-yard drive to seal the deal for the Cougars with just 20 seconds to go. The game flipped on its head for the Cajuns when A, Chandler Fields went down with an injury, and B, Chris Smith fumbled not once but twice. Uh, You ended up having a third turnover later in the game with a Zeon Chris interception. But, you know, you you look at this game and there were plenty of opportunities for the Cajuns to kind of grab hold and end up getting the win. And just at every 
at every point, it, it just kind of seemed to slip away from them. Uh, it just kind of felt like one of those games where, you know, play calling went conservative, turnovers, settling for field goals. A lot of things just added up to where it just wasn't your day. Um, and, and the game of football, that happens. It's unfortunate because it happens at, you know, horrible times, but it, it happens. Michael Desermo, Johnny Lumpkin, and Jordan Quibido met with the media following the game. And Michael Desermo opened by saying that it was a tough way to lose, but he's proud of this group. You know, it's a tough way to lose it. You know, um, comes down to the end, and I, you know, our team wanted it really badly for these guys right here. Um, you know, this senior class is a special group, and they've done a lot for the University of Louisiana. More than what they've done on the field, they've always represent, represented it with class. Um, and that I'm proud of. Uh, I'm proud of this group tonight. You know, we went out there and, and, you know, just call it what it is, you know, down a couple guys and this group just said it doesn't matter. It's the next guy up and we're gonna go out there and we're gonna fight and we're gonna play. And, um, and they did that and we had a chance to win in the end. You know, make, two, make a couple mistakes down there in critical situations and it costs you a win. But um, I've never been more proud of this group than I am right here. Um, proud to be their coach and, um, I'm excited to see what the future holds for them because I know that they've got great things ahead of them. Michael Desermo was also asked, what adjustments did Houston make that it looked like the Cajuns maybe struggled to adapt to? Well, I mean, the field position flipped a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was so much them as it was us kind of misfiring, you know, get to third and inches and we get a 15-yard penalty, puts you at third and, fifth, or third and 15. Um, you know, you turn the ball over. As soon as you get a possession going, I think more than anything, I think their offense got going a little bit. Um, you know, and their quarterback, he's as good as advertised, played really well. Um, you know, their offense, I think, in the first half had a hard time getting going. We were able to sustain drives, keep them off the field, and get some points on the board. Third quarter was field position was out of whack the whole time for us. Um, couldn't get drives to get it out. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, you put a drive together, you go down and turn it over, you know, in the goal zone right there. And, and the, you know, those are things that, you know, I mean, when you play a team like them, you know you got to put points on the board. And you know you got to be able to sustain it the whole game. And, um, you know, making critical mistakes like that that are self-inflicted, whether it be a turnover or a penalty that puts you in a bad position, those things are just, you know, you can't do that and expect to win. And, um, you know, it, it did cost us an end. On the winning side of things, Dana Holgerson, you know, you, you look at Houston, they were a 10-win team just you know in 2021 and for for them to now kind of come back down to earth a little bit with a seven and five regular season you you look at at a team like Houston who who finished 12 and 2 actually last year uh, with a win over Auburn in the Birmingham Bowl and the expectations were sky high you know you went into the season they were going to be the top G5 team they were going to play in the Cotton Bowl you know things like that but then you know you you opened week one with a triple overtime game against UTSA fell in double overtime to Texas Tech the next week then you lost to Kansas and then from there you were kind of scrambling you get a win over Rice overtime loss over at, at Tulane then you reel off three straight wins at Memphis at Navy against South Florida SMU, Temple, East Carolina, and Tulsa to finish seven and five. 
it was a crazy year for, for a team that had high expectations. And uh, Dana, Hol- Dana Holgerson talked about that in the postgame press conference. I have a headache. Um, I'm tired. I've never been through a year like this. Uh, you know, uh, very proud of our team for just the resiliency that they play with. You know, when you uh, obviously when you have a guy like so you coming off a 12-1 season, you got Tune and Tank coming back. I mean, that expectations are going to get shot through the roof. Uh, college college football is competitive and hard, and there's a lot of good teams, and there's a lot of people doing the same thing. Um, and just it's competitive, you know. So for us to get our eighth win <clears throat> and for these seniors to get their 20th win in the last two years, uh, I'm very proud of that. With the loss, the Cajuns finish year number one under Michael Desermo with an overall record of six and seven. Next year will be very interesting to watch. Chandler Fields could still be in the mix for starting quarterback. Ben Wooldridge will be back from that ACL injury. Zion Chris, who stepped in during the bowl game and, and stepped in pretty admirably, will still be in the conversation as a redshirt freshman. He he could make some noise in a run for the quarterback spot. There's a lot of things to look at for the Cajuns. However, as we wrap this up, I think that this offseason will be better for the Cajuns because you look at it, every team has their best improvement from year one to year two. And then on top of that, this coaching staff will not have to worry about fielding a coaching staff and making sure the roster stays put together and things like that. The coaching staff is going to stay intact. Your roster is going to stay intact for the most part, except for guys entering the NFL draft. I think the Cajuns will be in much better shape going into 2023, and you'll see quite a bit of improvement out of the Vermilion and White. We'll take a time out here when we return. James Mesh and I will talk New Orleans Saints and their win over the Cleveland Browns on Saturday. You'll hear from head coach Dennis Allen here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and world champion Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back into Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. 40 minutes after the hour. James, the Saints won again. That's two. They won again in the blistering cold that was Cleveland, Ohio. What was it? Seven degrees at kickoff? Felt like negative 10? Yeah, I think like with the wind chill, it felt like negative 20. Is that what it was? That's about so. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Snow on the ground. And Camara's out there, short sleeves. What? Excuse me? How? Please tell me how. It just, I I don't know. Never understand it. Uh, The Browns jumped out to a 10-0 lead early in the second quarter, like five seconds into the second quarter. Deshaun Watson takes off on a 12-yard touchdown run, which, by the way, was such a beautifully designed play call. 
I mean, Deshaun Watson had a clear running lane to the end zone. Uh, Cade York tacked on a 30-yard field goal shortly after to make it 10 nothing, And then as the half expired, Will Lutz hit from 23 yards out to make it 10-3 to at the break. And then in the third, it was all Saints, 14 straight points on a Taysom Hill touchdown run and then an Alvin Kamara touchdown run to make it 17-10. to And that would be all she wrote. James, in your opinion, what was a bigger play? The Daniel Sorensen pick or the Amari Cooper drop in the end zone? Oh, that's interesting because if Amari would have caught that... It's a 14-0 game. It was a 14-0 game at that point. You you still probably go into the half 14-3. And I, I still feel like at that point, maybe there would have been a little bit of urgency... So maybe they would have tried passing the ball more. I'm not sure. Either way, I feel like they really would have stuck to the game plan of just like, we need to run it as much as we can with Alvin and Taysom. Because it's not like you want to throw the ball too, too much, especially in that weather, which that really confused me with Deshaun Watson. The Browns were throwing it a lot, which which really made no sense. And, um, and it was funny because they kept going back to it. Even whenever they were still leading – and when they were tied. Yep. Because it was like, I mean, you could just hand it off to Nick Chubb or, you know, maybe give Kareem Hunt a little more love. Or, I don't know, try another design QB run that gave you your only touchdown of the game. Cause you look at it, if you watch if you watch the highlights back, a lot of the time Deshaun had a lot of time to throw. Cause the pass rush wasn't getting to him. But that also means that the secondary in the back seven, they were doing their job and covering really well. So it's like, if they're covering really well, either you tell Deshaun, just tuck it yourself, or we'll come up with something for you to just take it yourself initially, or just hand it off more often. Yep. I don't know why they threw it 31 times. Yeah, that, that was confusing. Um, especially, like you said, when you have uh, the, di- the dynamic backfield duo of Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, how are you not giving them each 15 carries a game? I, I would probably say if you going between the two plays, I'd probably say the, the Sorensen pick because it's not like Amari was the only one who dropped the pass Correct. because of the weather. It was it was a lot of different players. It um, wasn't just him. So I would put it on Sorensen getting the pick. Alvin Kamara was asked post-game on about the game plan for the Saints to, like James said, run the ball more. With, with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara and not only run it, but run it effectively. Yeah, I mean, you come, in, you come into a game like that knowing what the conditions are going to be. And, and um, obviously, you know, it's, we came in like, all right, we're going to run the ball. And when it permits, we're going to be we're going to throw it. You know, it's just kind of like you use your common sense out there. It's not really like a big strategic thing where we talk about it all week. Like, it's just, hey, if, we got the, if the wind is in our favor, we're going to throw the ball. If not, we're going to run it. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's kind of like one of those things. Taysom Hill was also asked how he and Alvin Kamara were able to wear down the Browns' defense throughout this game. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think in a game like this, when you can line up and and they know you're going to run the ball and you can still run it successfully, um, man, that's a good feeling as an offense. And I felt like up front, receivers, everyone, man, they they had the right mindset going into this game. 
and those guys, you know, won us the game. And, you know, Alvin and myself were beneficiaries of those guys doing everything they needed to up front to, to allow us to, to run the ball. And then on the defensive side, James, we were talking about the weather and how it's now on record as the coldest win in franchise history. Carl Granderson said post game that it wasn't even cold. Yeah, yeah, defense, defensive mindset. See, it wasn't even cold. I'm not even gonna lie, it wasn't cold. My hands was cold. I'll be honest about that, but it wasn't cold. Um, you know, it was a hell of a game, and uh, the equipment uh, staff they they did a wonderful job preparing us with the nice gear and the gear that we need for the cold. So uh, shout out to them. Yeah, they talked a lot about the post game and. Even if you even go to their YouTube channel and go watch the post game speech, which you asked earlier in the season for Dennis Allen to show some emotion, <laughs> go watch that video. Yeah, he because did. because at the end they 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 said instead of giving a game ball to like anybody specifically or giving it to like the defense per se, they were like give it to the equipment staff because they definitely really helped them prepare for that cold weather. Yep, and each each person from the post game either mentioned it or got asked about it. Well, you see, So they, they gave tribute to the to the uh you, to the staff. You got to have it, right? You do. That that is such an integral part of being a successful not not only an NFL team, but a, a sports team at every level. Equipment guys are vital. Uh because I mean, god, if if you're missing a long sleeve undershirt when it's 30 something degrees outside, you're in trouble. So I mean, yeah, you you gotta have those guys at every level. They're super important, and, and I've I've always thought that they don't get recognized quite as much as they should. They're the unsung heroes, and really, it almost kind of feels like the offensive linemen yep. of of the coaching staff yep. because it's like you have your wide receivers and your running backs and your quarterbacks, and now you got more attention to your edge rushers, but you look a lot at the corners and the, the safeties. But it's like the guys in the trenches, pretty much the equipment managers, it's like yep. they do the dirty work. Yep. No, they're, they're super important. They're definitely needed. Uh, looking ahead to next week, you've got the Philadelphia Eagles. Who may have Jalen Hurts back. And who may not have Jalen Hurts back. It's iffy. It's fit. We're going to have to see as we get throughout the week to see if he's actually going to play. Dennis Allen was asked which quarterback he would rather, Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew. We're in today putting the plan together for – uh, for Philly and and uh, uh, but look, I thought I thought Minshew did some really good things in the game yesterday against Dallas, and so uh, look, I think we have to we have to prepare for the offensive scheme uh, number one, and and really it starts with their ability to run the football, and, and then we've got to understand who the weapons are they have on the outside and how they can attack us in the in the passing game with those weapons on the outside, but. Um, yeah, certainly, you know, kind of two different style uh, quarterbacks, but yet both have had success uh, in that offense. You know, um, I mean, they scored 34 points yesterday against Dallas, so it uh, didn't seem to be much of a challenge for them in terms of getting some offense. Now, is it possible that you didn't get what you wanted from Santa? If that's the case, not to worry. We have the gifts you really want in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Score a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cyber's Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate 
to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. Join the Game Clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's simple, and it's everybody's favorite four-letter word, free. So sign up today. Take a timeout. Wrap up our number one next here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 452 right now as we're wrapping up our number one. Let's take a look at the poll questions. Will the Saints make the playoffs? It's as simple as that. Hell yeah, they will. Or no shot, no prayer. Right now, no shot, no prayer is heavily winning. 79% compared to 21%. Right now, the only comment that we have is Ton sending a gif saying, nah, nope, not happening. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I think I think you need too much to happen. You're going to have to win your last two games, and then you're going to have to hope that Tampa loses out. Correct. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. The next week for the Bucks, they play the Panthers, and that's who the Saints play in Week 18. So there's a lot of incentive for the Panthers to try and win this game against the Bucks. There is. And not only that, but the Bucks have played horrific all year. They have not been very good. They even had to win in overtime, 19-16, to against the Cardinals. The Cardinals, who were starting their third-string quarterback. Think about that. That's true. It's like Even though Sam Darnold hasn't been a world beater, even though apparently he has a mustache now, it has not been, it has not been great either way, but I think the Panthers have a legitimate shot looking at it early on. They do. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I just I don't know that the Saints will be fortunate enough to not only win both of their games, but have Tampa lose both. Just don't see that happening. Here's what I could. Here, here's what I think is going to happen. I think the Saints lose to Philly, and the Panthers beat the Bucks. So then it gets really interesting for the Bucks and the Panthers. So then the Saints, they still have incentive to try and beat the Panthers. That way the Panthers don't make the playoffs. But do you really and want, then, the, and then the, Pan- really want and, the Bucks to be in the playoffs? Well, I don't want either of them in. I think I'd rather the Panthers in the playoffs than the Bucks. <laughs> I'm sure you would. You just hate Tom Brady that much. Well, no, I just I don't like Tampa. I've I've never liked Tampa. I've always had Tampa's always been below Carolina on the totem pole. Of hate? Yeah. There you go. They they've always been lower on the totem pole. Um Atlanta's Atlanta's up there is the most hated. And then then it's Tampa and then it's Carolina. So Carol if Carolina makes the playoffs, eh, I don't love it. I'd rather it be the Saints, but I'd rather Carolina than anybody else. If the Saints can't make it. But I'm just looking at realistic scenarios of how it's going to go down. No, for sure. Um, and an- another thing that that's going to be interesting to see is, is, like you talked about, 
if Carolina wins this game against Tampa uh-huh. and then beats the Saints, then they're in. But Car- but Tampa goes one and one over the last two. Carolina would have the tiebreaker, correct? So they would. Carolina would win the division at that point because they swept the Bucks this year. Correct. So they would. They would have the tiebreaker. They so, should so because at that point, Carolina beats Tampa. They're both seven and nine, but you the edge goes to Carolina. So I'm gonna I'm say this: if Carolina beats the Bucks uh-huh. and then the Saints beat the Eagles, Carolina New Orleans is gonna be one of the top games of the week. Oh yeah, but you're still. It's gonna be like last year where it was Rams 49ers. Correct. Where you're gonna have it be flipping every once in a while because like, oh, is is Tampa winning? Correct. What's, what's happening with Tampa's game because Tampa plays Atlanta. Yeah. No, that'll be that'll be interesting to see. But uh, real quickly before we we take the time out to end hour number one, Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman entered the transfer portal and less than an hour later had committed to Notre Dame? Tampering much? We'll talk about that a little bit more in hour number two. Ross Jackson kicks it off at the top of the hour right here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two here on Crunch Time. You're listening to The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. In hour number one, we recap the Cajuns falling in the Independence Bowl. We also talked about the Saints beating the Browns. We're going to talk about that a little more here with our next guest. But before we get to that, as a reminder, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber at 530. Preston Guy from TigerBait.com will join us as we begin previewing the LSU-Purdue matchup in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Garrett Nussmeyer's feeling pretty cheesy today, uh, I might I might have to add. Uh, Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints joins us. We'll talk about the Browns and the Saints game. Ross, what's going on, man? How was your Christmas holiday? Hey, buddy, it was great. Always a pleasure to get to see the family, had some good food, really enjoyed myself. How was yours? Oh, fantastic, as always. Other than, you know, locking myself out of my house, it was fantastic. Uh, we've all been there. <laughs> uh, so, question number one, I've got to ask, man. The, the Saints have now won two games in a row. Is this team feeling okay? <laughs> Is everything all right? right. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's 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 great. I mean, it's the first time this season that they've done it. First time in Dennis Allen's coaching career that he's uh, won two games in a row as a head coach. Uh, and so, you know, all those are, are, are positive things. And look, I mean, these games, uh, you know, one of which was against a division rival, the other of which was in, you know, kind of this, you know, just terrible uh, environment of, you know, whatever felt like minus 18 degrees or whatever, um, you know, and so being able to, to come out and get those two wins uh, is, it, it's something. Um, and he's, you know, the Saints have, uh, over on the defensive side have also held, what is it, four straight opponents to uh, less than 20 points without Marshawn Lattimore in the lineup. So, 
I mean, they've done some really nice things here over the the, the recent past. It's too bad that they weren't able to get the uh, the victory in Tampa that they you know started to have, <laughs> uh, because that obviously would have made a big difference for them. But hey, where they are right now, I mean, they're in a situation here to where you know they feel good about where they are. They're continuing to fight here toward the end of the season, playoff odds and playoff hopes. You know, be they what they may uh, for this team, they're excited to go out there and compete every weekend, and, and that's a testament to uh, you know where this team is right now. The Bucks really did their best to try to help the Saints. Really did. Uh, but, you know, obviously they ended up beating the Cardinals, and now the stacks are, are even more against New Orleans as they now need to win their last two games, and Tampa has to lose their last two games mm-hmm. for the Saints to make the playoffs. So, I mean, is, is it even realistic to, to say that could happen? Um. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very small chance, but it is realistic. Yeah, I mean it's 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 virtually possible. I guess is the guess the way to say it, uh, mathematically possible. There's also a very kind of long winded way for them, I believe, even after the Monday night game to still uh, get the get the seven seed as well. But that takes a lot more losing across the NFC, uh, and so you know uh, there's still a you know a path for them to get to the postseason. But honestly, look for this team, you know whether they're they're not paying attention to that you know I mean, they're not paying attention to postseason odds they they want to finish out this season the best foot forward that they can and uh so far you know between that atlanta falcons game and that cleveland browns game they're they're on the right path the issue is that the philadelphia eagles are are, are next in line and that's the nfl's uh best team right now in my opinion and so that's uh it's just when jalen hurts is is healthy and so that's a big test for them on the way next weekend for what the saints had to deal with offensively or w- with the weather, the offense actually moved pretty well, and specifically, even with kind of like a small, shifty guy in Rashid Shahid, he still had an impact very much in the game. Not just Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill. Yeah, I think his uh, his his playing days at Weber State, and you know, dead in the middle of uh, of Utah, definitely helped him out a little bit <laughs> in terms of you know being able to navigate that weather and all. But I think that you know you saw them be wise in terms of their their play selection they stayed committed to the run I think they had over 40 rushing attempts in that game um lots of opportunity for them to you know lean in on it and the thing that i loved about that win for them is that in order for them to get that win they needed to overcome some of the most immediate challenges that they have faced throughout the season which were a uh, running consistently and staying committed to the run game and finding that production and b stopping the other team from doing so. This is a team that's given up 200-plus rushing yards, team rushing yards in three different games. Uh, they were coming off a game where they had just given up over 230 to the Atlanta Falcons. So for them to come in and hold the Cleveland Browns in a game where the Browns, who are a run, who should be a run-first team, I, but I understand they feel the pressure of their pocketbook after paying out the wazoo for Deshaun Watson to throw the ball, but they should be a run-first team with guys like Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Dearness Johnson back there. There's you know, this was a team that, that looked like they were going to be well-equipped to come into this matchup against the Saints, particularly with the Saints struggling over on the, the run defense side. And the Saints held them under four yards per carry, and that's exactly what they needed to do in order to win that game. And that was them overcoming something that they had been struggling with over the course of the past at least few weeks, but that we've also seen them struggle with all season long. You know, Ross, you touched on the Saints defense holding Cleveland to 124 yards on the ground, averaged only 3.6 yards a carry. The defense had a massive day. Tyron Matthew, 11 total tackles. Carl Granderson had six tackles, including that game-sealing sack, which was just 
a great play oh, considering play. he, he yeah. dropped back in coverage and ended up still getting home. Uh, just all around, the, the defense really showed up when you needed them to. Yeah, yeah, and this was a defense that you know has been down to Marshawn Lattimore for now 10 straight weeks. They were down Marcus May. Justin Evans got hurt at some point during that. You saw you know, they were down Pete Werner again. And, you know, that team still came through and, you know, led by Cam Jordan and, and now first-time Pro Bowler, which is still so weird to say, Demario Davis, um, finding a way to, to get that win and doing it with the guys that you would expect to go out there and, and get it done. The defensive line, the front seven, Tyron Matthew, like having this guy that can come down into the box and that can tackle. And that's something we saw, you know, the thing struggle with early on. Uh, this year, but not a lot of yards after contact. There were a couple of, of runs that got away, but those are going to happen. That's one of the reasons why it's so important to stay committed to the run game because eventually one, two, or three are going to break. Um, and so, you know, to, to take a team that had rushed over 30 times in this matchup and hold them to, what was it, 3.6 yards per carry, you said, um, in a in a game that needed the run game in order to win, that was that was a, a good situation. And then for the offense, for the New Orleans Saints offense, going out there and scoring 17 unanswered, putting a lot of pressure on the Cleveland Browns to the point where they went to the air 31 times in that in in, in that game, which was completely unnecessary. Uh, but you know that's just kind of where the Cleveland Browns were. They felt the pressure to to get back into that game, and they wanted to do it through the air. And that was one of the places where the Saints, late thanks to guys like uh, Alante Taylor, who I think showed fantastic composure throughout this game, uh, were able to to seal it and, and bring the win home. How important is it for this team's overall morale the rest of the way to get a win in the weather like this? Oh, huge, huge. I mean, look, the, the Saints right now are 5-1 and one since 2014 in outdoor games in which it's below four, or 40 degrees or below at kickoff. This is a team that over and over again has continuously battled the narrative that dome teams can't play out in the cold weather. And this team in particular, which is being led by a backup quarterback that is that was down its you know, three top receivers, if you include the Michael Thomas injury, you know, had injuries on the offensive line, had injuries over on defense, and to be able to come in next man up style and, and get a win in not just cold weather, mind you, the coldest weather, one of the three coldest games ever played in, in Cleveland, and to be able to get a win, I mean, that's just, that's, that's, that's that extra cherry on top, right? Like, it's, it's morale boosting to get that win no matter what but even more so to get that win in those conditions. It really is, but now it doesn't really get any easier because now you have to go to Philly to play an Eagles mm-hmm. team that may or may not have Jalen Hurts play, but even if he doesn't, Gardner Minshew still looked really good in Dallas. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's still some great weapons there. That defense is still really good. Um, you know, you'd love to see Marshawn Lattimore and Alante Taylor or Marshawn Lattimore and Paul Sandebo, whichever matchup with Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, but you know, no matter who the quarterback is, like those guys are going to get their targets. Those guys are going to get their run. Uh, this is also a team that has no problem uh, with with falling back on the run game as well, especially with Jalen Hurts under center. So yeah, you're right. It's it, it's going to be another big test for them uh, on Sunday, and it's going to be another outdoor game that's going to feel a little chilly, right? East Coast weather still. I think the the current forecast is that it's going to be in the 50s, low 50s uh, when that one kicks off, but. We'll see how that changes throughout the game. So it'll be another opportunity for them to go out there and, and really you know have another statement win. And, and, and look, I, I think that the Cleveland win was a statement win. 
um, in and of itself. I know that they're no longer a playoff team, but they're not a playoff team. Why? Because they lost to New Orleans. And so I think them being able to go out there and get a win like that, I think that that was a statement win, one that will have a lasting impact. We've already seen the reports that Dennis Allen's expected to be back in 2023. I think a win like the one against Cleveland helps you helps that happen. Um, and, you know, a game here against Philly where, let's face it, you're not really expected to win by any of the folks that are going to be playing pick them out there. Uh, but if you can pull off that win, I mean, goodness, like what a huge, huge boost that is, regardless of whether you see the postseason, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later. Chatting with Ross Jackson from the Locked on Saints podcast. Now, you know, you talked about Dennis Allen coming back in 2023, which, you know, week, week by week becomes more of a possibility. Sean Payton is out there putting what has been called an all-star coaching staff together, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, Vic Fangio as his defensive coordinator. Now, Ross, one thing that I, that I find interesting is that you're seeing reports out today that Sean Payton and Tom Brady coming to New Orleans is, quote, the league's worst-kept secret. What do you make of all of this? I think it would be uh, absolutely wild, but hey, look, I mean, you know, if there's an opportunity to get that done, I don't see why any organization would say no to that, right? You have a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame head coach that could potentially team up. We know that they tried to team up in Miami. It's why Miami doesn't have a first-round pick this coming season. Uh, so, you know, there's a whole bunch of different uh, possibilities there. And, you know, it's it's certainly there. I, I don't know, though, that that happens uh, because, again, I don't see the Saints moving on from, from Dennis Allen. Uh, but, uh, look, either way, somebody's under contract next year, <laughs> right? And so either you're paying the guy that – you know, you just gave a new deal to, or you're paying the guy that's under contract. So, you know, whichever way that it works out, since they still own the rights to Sean Payton's deal, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity for the New Orleans Saints to potentially, you know, completely 180 next season. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, I, I don't know that. My my hangup is does, is Sean really going to do that? to DA, right? Like, is he going to come in and say, all right, thanks for holding it down for a year, but I'm back and here's Tom Brady, right? Or is there something else, you know, that happens there? So I think you'd have to make the move away from Dennis Allen first before anything were to happen with that. And I just don't see that happening with Mickey Loomis and Gail Benson. They like DA. They, they, they like the success the team has had. The team's really rallied around him. So we'll see how it all plays out when the actual, like, nickels and dimes happen, when Black Monday comes around, all that. We'll see how it all actually plays out. But to, to forecast that, uh, I think, is, uh, would be a little bit of a – I don't know if it's the league's worst-kept secret, but it certainly could be the league's worst nightmare, that's for sure. Oh, that, w- that would be just absolutely insane if the Saints were, <laughs> were able to pull that off. Now, you know, we talk about Sean Payton possibly getting back into coaching, which, again, is another thing that as each week passes, seems like it could become more of a, a reality. The Dallas Cowboys have been a team that he's been linked to – you know, all, all season long, uh, with his past experience there and his relationship with Jerry Jones and whatnot, with the Cowboys sitting at eleven and four, second in the NFC East, the the question becomes: you know, they've had a great regular season, but if they lose in the first round of the playoffs again, there have been some reports that the Cowboys could move on from Mike McCarthy. Do you do you really expect Jerry Jones to to pull the trigger on that? If if the Cowboys finish up, you know, twelve and five, uh, I could see Jerry Jones doing whatever it takes to get Sean Payton 
in the building. I mean, Sean Payton is a guy that he's wanted to be to, to get in that building for a long time. Uh, I think, though, that it would be a bit of a stain in the organization if they ended up doing that to to McCarthy, who is a very well respected head coach, and I believe he was like twenty eight and nine uh, during his time with with Dallas so far. So, you know, I, I it's one of those ones that I would chalk up and say, hey, look, it's the NFL. Never say never. But it would certainly be a surprise considering how well McCarthy's uh, uh, tenure has gone thus far. And, and I understand the idea that, hey, if they get bounced from the first round, um, then all of a sudden, you know, it's a different conversation. But they stuck around with, with Jason Garrett for a while after getting bounced out of the, the playoffs year in and year out. So it would still be out of character. Uh, but again, everything goes out of the window when there's a Hall of Fame head coach all of a sudden on the market. This doesn't happen very often, right? Like these guys that are the Hall of Fame head coaches, they don't often change teams. They just kind of finish where they are. And so, you know, what we're used to seeing in the coaching landscape, just like with Denver just yesterday, making Nathaniel Hackett only the, I think it was the fourth ever head coach to not make it through his first year. Um, Things change when there's a guy like Sean Payton that you know could potentially come in and take over a vacancy. Ross Jackson of the Locked On Saints podcast joining us. Ross, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the last couple of weeks of the season. And uh, what, what I'm really going to tell you is enjoy a much-needed offseason, my friend. Thanks, buddy. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this offseason. It's going to be an eventful one for sure. <laughs> Ross Jackson, appreciate you as always, man. Thanks, bud. Take care. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. And there he goes. Interesting tidbit, and this is this is random off the wall. We're talking about the Cheez-It Bowl earlier. We, we talked a couple weeks ago about the Cheez-It-themed hotel rooms. LSU quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer signed an NIL deal today with Cheez-It, and he will stay in, quote, the cheesiest hotel room during their stay in Orlando. You know why? Because he's feeling the cheesiest. Yeah, he is, coach. But here's here, here's something quite interesting. This is from our friend Carter Carrolls over at the Tallahassee Democrat. A Cheez-It Bowl representative told me that there's no such thing as Cheez-Its. One Cheez-It is a Cheez-It. Two or more of the Cheez-It crackers is simply called Cheez-It crackers, not Cheez-Its. Intriguing. It's just like Legos. You have a Lego brick, but then multiple are Lego bricks, not Legos. But that's just a losing battle because everybody's going to call them Legos for the rest of time. Let's go to the hotline. Max, what's going on? I don't know much about football, but I've been watching it for 25 years, and Dennis Allen is not a head coach. If they would even consider passing up Sean Payton to keep Dennis Allen then Mickey Loomis needs to be fired himself, and Gale needs to just sell the team. I watched that Browns game this weekend, and like I said, no coaching experience, don't know much about the game other than watching it. But if you can watch Taysom Hill run up the middle, and you can watch Alvin Kamara run on the outsides, and yet they consistently run the exact opposite plays all game for no yards gained, for stuffed up the middle every time 41 got the ball, and then, oh, lo and behold, they finally run some sweeps with Alvin. He gets first downs, long runs. They finally run a trick gimmick play with Taysom blocking. Alvin Kamara scores a touchdown. If Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael can't figure that out, they need to be fired on Black Monday.
Well, I, I hate I hate to break it to you. I th- I think only one of them is getting fired, and who knows? They neither one of them might not. They both might keep their jobs. Dennis Allen should have been fired when he walked out of or either into or out of halftime after the QB had threw three picks, and they asked him, "What do you change?" And he said, "Nothing. We just keep doing what we're doing." Well, if you listen to him for face value, that means. Andy Dalton should have threw three more interceptions, and we could have lost by 100 because we should just keep doing what we're doing. And he just gives off that feeling whenever you look at him. And I've seen no reports anywhere to indicate he's this amazing coach behind the scenes that we just don't see on Sundays, you know, when we watch the games. So I'm not, I'm not understanding why they would want to keep this guy. Our oh. record sucks. We're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, we have to beat Philly this week. We need Tampa to lose their final two games. You got to hope Carolina wins this week and loses to us last week. We ain't making the playoffs. And even if we do, where are we going to go? First round out? I mean, this team sucks. And we're $45 million over the cap again? It ain't working. And that's coming from a diehard who that. I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, the, the forty-five million over the cap thing—I mean, that's been the same song and dance for ten years, and the Saints always figure it out. Um, that, that, but we're also figuring it out with guys that are like a Tyron Matthew, who has one interception on the year and a few tackles. Well, the, he's at the end of his career and he's done. Well, to, Tyron Matthew has two picks, but I mean, you're, you're talking about a team that that's dead last in, in, in takeaways. What are we negative fifteen in takeaways? I don't know what the margin is. I know we have eleven turn, eleven forced turnovers. Um, yeah, we we don't recover them though. I, we do have a good bit of forced fumbles and you know stuff like that, but we don't ever recover them. We no. What, what, uh, what I'm saying is we have eleven takeaways. Oh yeah, but we got freaking twenty something uh, giveaways ourselves with all the interceptions that Andy and Jameis threw, and then the constant fumbling by AK and Mark Ingram. I mean, and again, I don't disagree, and I'm not advocating for Dennis Allen to return as head coach because I'm not a fan of the job he's done. But, however, if we're realistic, you just won two straight games, you're finishing the year on what appears to be a strong note, a general manager is going to look at that and say, we can build on this going into next season. I understand your premise for that, but build on what this team's about to get decimated again between guys retiring, guys, you know, yeah, we always make the cap work, but that's usually because we have a decent draft class, which we don't have a first rounder this year, which I'm not mad at that. I mean, I understand when we made the trade, we got Chris Olave. And you also got Trevor Penning. Right. So you, you can't say that was a bad deal because. The only reason why we think it's a bad deal now is because our draft pick's going to be so high. Well, why is our draft pick so high? Because we suck as a team, and we're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Appreciate you the know, call, Max. All right. Little little crunch for time there, but I, I get I get what you're I get what you're saying, and uh, you know we'll we'll discuss it a little bit further in, in the back half of today's show. We'll take a timeout, and when we return. We'll continue this conversation and more here on Crunch Time. You're listening to The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
The biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Fest returns May 19th to 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. SZA, Paramore, AJR, and more. Y'all ready? The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles has VIP passes to Hangout Fest. Enter in the clubhouse rewards at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you access to exclusive viewing areas, stateside pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. Hangout Fest is a beach vacation like no other. 527. Continuing this conversation about the New Orleans Saints and, you know, kind of where they go from here. Look, I, I know that I, I've been an advocate for, for Dennis Allen getting fired, and I, I still want that. But at the same time, I can also be realistic and say that he's coming back in 2023. Because, uh, again, you know, say say you lose to Philly and you beat Carolina. You finished the season on a four-game win streak. Winning three. No, if you lose to Philly. Oh, you lose to Philly. I thought you yeah. said if you beat Philly and Carolina. You you finished the season winning three out of your last four. You salvage, you know, something. You finished seven and ten. That's not great. You still showed that you had fight, which every game pretty much they showed fight. It was just that one or two where it just looked like they just were completely out of it. Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis are going to look at that finish and say, there's something here. It was a rough year. We dealt with a lot of injuries. We dealt with a huge amount of coaching turnover. There's something here. And they're going to give Dennis Allen, you know, eight games. Now, if the first eight games next year you go two and six, I could see them making a change at that point. Realistically, though, I just I don't think at this point with the way the last couple weeks have gone that you're going to move on from Dennis Allen. Because uh, you look at it, you've got a lot of guys who who are going to be back healthy next year. Guys like Chris Olave, Michael Thomas should be healthy uh, come September. Alvin Kamara will be back. You've got Trevor Penning that's going to step in to the offensive line. You've got key pieces coming back on defense with Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, Demario Davis should be back next year. You've got Caden Ellis and Pete Warner and the linebacking core. You've got a lot of good Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo in the secondary as well. You've got a lot of pieces to build around. I really don't think roster-wise they're going to have a lot of issues next year. I think the biggest thing for the Saints next year is going to be do you make a change in offensive coordinator? Which I think, if you keep Dennis Allen, you absolutely have to make a change at offensive coordinator. But you know, I'm not the GM or the owner. I don't make the decisions. We'll see what happens. Let's go to the hotline, Ralph. What's up? Well, first of all, congratulations to the, uh, the actual winner of the uh, Christmas tree decorating contest. So kudos to you, Matt. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I know. I know it's controversial, you know, with the, with the decision, but um, but anyway, congratulations. But no, I, I totally agree, and and I do think they're going to give Allen one more year. I mean, um, you know, you can you can cite all the injuries, whatever. I I don't think he's a long term answer, but I do think they'll give him one more year. But absolutely, Pete Carmichael has got to, you know, if they want to demote him to a offensive assistant, uh, analyst, um, quarterback coach again, 
that's fine. I mean, the man said, I don't want to be the OC. They, they made him the OC. And, you know, I don't think Dennis Allen is, is overruling things. That's, that's the problem. You know, to, to not use Taysom Hill until three minutes left in the first half was inexcusable against Cleveland. You know, uh, thankfully we still pulled it out. But, I mean, the game plans have been horrible this year in offense. And, and um you know, look, I'll give him one more year. Just make, you know, get a, get a good OC in there. Let's see what happens. Sean's not coming back. I mean, that's just a pipe dream. I don't know, you know, who's thinking that's a reality. He's not coming back into this situation. Um, and, and you know what? Honestly, the, the, it's going to be interesting because the options are getting, uh, less and less, you know, as it goes. Um, you know, because I really think you wanted San Diego, but that ain't happening. So we'll see what happens, man. Um, but anyway, I have a call coming in. Let me go take that. And I appreciate y'all guys. Have a great new year, man. Appreciate you, Ralph. Yeah, you know, and going back to the to the Christmas tree thing, James and I actually tied. Um, so crunch time wins. If you, if, you, if, you, if you count the numbers, crunch time outscored RP3 and company, 30-2. to two. James, I mean, we're killing the game, dude. We just have good trees. We have good trees. We're, we're good tree decorators. Although you just took it out of the attic. But, you know. As if that changed anything. It was, still would have been a great tree. <laughs> it's still a great tree. It is. You just didn't help with it. I'm kidding. Don't really, calm down. Calm down. Get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th, four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume and enjoy free drinks throughout the course served at the adult hydration station. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends to the Lundy Graw Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now at latrail.org. We'll take a timeout. Preston Guy of TigerBait.com joins us next as the LSU-Purdue game is six days away. Right here on The Game, it's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and it's your home for the World Series champion, LSU Tiger, World Series champion Houston Astros and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. You know a smart speaker is only as smart as the person using it. You big dummy. It's time for you to be smarter and ask your Alexa to enable the game skill. My boy's wicked smart. You can enable it by saying the game Southwest Louisiana. So be smart and have your Alexa play the best live and local sports talk around. All right, let's get it. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 538 on your Tuesday. Speaking of smart speakers, if you got one for Christmas, which I'm sure you did, like the commercial said, just listen to the game by asking your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana, have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Preston Guy of TigerBait.com joins us via the game hotline. Preston, thanks for taking the time, man. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. How was how was the first holiday with the little one? Oh, it was good. Let's just say uh, he got spoiled silly 
uh, by grandparents, aunts, uncles, everybody alike came and gathered to give everything under the sun to the little guy. As as they should. That that's the that's the fun of having a child around Christmas, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. We always joke with each other as the four kids growing up. Who won Christmas? You know, well, it wasn't a competition this year. <laughs> Little Peyton won Christmas this year. That's fantastic, man. Glad glad to hear that you guys had a good holiday. Um, you know, now attention kind of shifts back to LSU football, six days away from that matchup with Purdue in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl over there in Orlando. You know, Going into this game, when this game was first selected, it looked to be like a marquee matchup. But now, you know, Aiden O'Connell's going to sit. Charlie Jones is going to sit. And you're going to have some key players from LSU take a seat. Now, you know, this was a game that I thought LSU could win from the jump. Now I really think the Tigers have a leg up. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And look, LSU's got a few guys out, um, yeah, particularly on the defensive line. That defensive line is going to give you a real good look at uh, next year. But you look at this this staff. I mean, Jeff Brom leaves. Brian Brom's interim coach. Uh, Vegas has LSU slotted as fourteen and a half point favorites. Which I always look at that fourteen and a half number, and I'm like, that means they think it's just going to be a blowout. <laughs> They're saying fourteen and a half. That, that that half point to me is is, is a big deal. Because 13 and a half means that they're expecting it to stay within two scores. But if they're going to go ahead and up it to 14 and a half, it might as well be, you know, 25 or whatever else. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of a deja vu for LSU. They were on the other side of this a year ago. Uh, so definitely some opt-outs for LSU. B.J. Ojolari, Ali Gay, you lose those guys. That, that definitely hurts. But you get to see guys who you're very excited about, like Quincy Wiggins. Uh, who will be splitting time with Mike Jones at that Jack uh, edge rusher position. Uh, and Savion Jones, a defensive end who has looked really good at spots this year, just you know buried behind Ali Gay and, and B.J. Ojolari. So a little glimpse into the future there. But you look in at all the other positions for LSU, it's, it's mostly the same. I mean, yeah, Jack Besh is gone, but... Uh, you know, Keishon Butte's back, and he, he Jack Besh really wasn't going to play much anyway. So um, most most of the LSU's teams should be business as usual, and it's anything but for Purdue. Yeah, you know, talking about the the roster for for LSU, you talked about losing a lot of guys. Uh, obviously, you know, BJ Ojolari, Ali Gay, and a couple others headed to the NFL draft. But man, you know, going back to last week with early signing period you're going to fill a lot of those holes and you're going to fill them pretty quickly. Yeah, you are. And uh, they're just not going to be able to play for the ball game. <laughs> um, but you're going to get a lot of guys in. I would have liked to see maybe two or three guys more in that front seven. But, at the, you know, at the same time, you're bringing in, you know, Deshaun Womack, who, you know, anytime a guy is rated five-star by anybody, I think that that means a lot because a major recruiting service is putting their name behind this guy's an instant impact. And LSU's got seven of those guys once you count the transfer portal. I went back and tracked it today, and that's the most LSU's ever brought in in one recruiting class and transfer portal class you get that these are both relatively nuanced things that have been tracked and have changed over the, the years. 
But LSU's never brought in seven guys with a five-star tag at one point during their recruiting process. So Deshaun Walmack being one of those, Jackson Howard, and I really like the Dylan Carpenter kid out of um, out of uh, Santa Mall, right up the road from LSU. Uh, however, in the recruiting class itself, freshmen, you're not bringing in a single defensive tackle. And that's a bit of a red flag for me, given you're not exactly – returning all your starters at defensive tackle. Uh, you know, Jaqueline Roy's heading off to the NFL. Um, the, you would like to do better, but, you know, the, the transfer portal bailed you out with Jalen Lee, Paris Shand, and, you know, all those guys coming in. And then, of, and then of course, you know, you're probably putting a lot of eggs into the basket of Mason Smith. Oh, absolutely. And him coming back, I mean, he'll be one of the best defensive tackles in the country. That, that helps a ton. Um, but and I didn't even mention a familiar name, Jordan Jefferson, uh, transferring in from West Virginia. Uh, that one caught one me. That one caught me by surprise. It did. It did. Um, but you know, he he was one of West Virginia's best defensive linemen, and the defensive line was not the problem at West Virginia. They had a lot of problems last year, but defensive line wasn't one of them. So uh, yeah, a lot of impact guys. Transfer portal really saved the day. I just thought it was interesting because. Ryan Kelly doesn't want to build this team with the transfer portal. He wants to build it in recruiting classes and use the transfer portal as needed. So it's a, it was a little peculiar to me that you didn't bring in a single defensive tackle when really, quite frankly, that is a position of need. Chatting with Preston Guy, how big of a, you know, and I know I'm getting away, from, getting more into the offseason here than, than talking about the bowl game. How big of a quarterback competition do you have next year, or or is it just going to be Jaden Daniels' job? I mean, it's going to be hard to usurp Jaden Daniels. Um, it, I, I mean, it always is hard to unseat a guy. I mean, he'll have – oh, goodness, let's see. He had, what, 31 starts coming into this year. So, I mean, he'll have something like 45 starts under his belt. You don't see very many guys who've started 45 football games losing position battles. That's just not realistic, not to mention um, with Jaden Daniels, there's continuity. The, most of the offense is coming back, and guys know how to play with each other. There's a ton of chemistry, you know, and if you switch to either Nussmeyer or Walker Howard, you change the way your offense runs dramatically. And I'm not saying they're not wanting to make that shift eventually, but for next year, next year figures up to be a pretty good team. I mean, LSU's going to be top ten in the polls, and, you know, a couple things goes their way. I mean, they beat Alabama again or, you know, and take care of business. They should be greatly improved next year. So we could be talking about a team pushing for a championship. Uh, and that, to me, would say, hey, don't invest in the young redshirt freshman quarterback. Let him sit one more year and then move forward. What will be more interesting to me than the quarterback battle itself for next year is how many of these guys can you keep in place and sit still being patient? Can you keep Nussmeyer? That's going to be a huge challenge. Can you keep Walker Howard? That's less challenging, although there, there, there's definitely been some rumors buzzing around about him. But you look at him, he's a true freshman. He'll be a redshirt freshman. He'll be fine sitting behind a senior one more year. And then Ricky Collins coming in. If you can keep all three of those guys and Jane Daniels on your roster next year, that's, that's outstanding roster management by Brian Kelly. Now, you know, you brought up Garrett Nussmeyer and, and Walker Howard. My question to you becomes, 
which one is more likely to transfer, in your opinion? Or or better yet, uh, which one would you rather keep? Yeah, okay. Let me. Let, those are very different questions with opposite answers. So let's tackle one at a time. Um, more likely to transfer... Uh, first off, I, I, I hate speculating about kids transferring in their future. I feel like it is unfair of them, but me and you would kind of have a job to do by doing that. Uh, Nussmeyer, just, just in terms of he'll be a sophomore next year, and next year's a draft-eligible year for him. Um, that, that alone, just lack of eligibility, makes him far more likely to just bolt and, you know, go ahead and see if he can start somewhere because there will be a team that he can start next year. So I'd say he's more likely to bolt and leave. Um, Walker Howard's the one you really don't want to lose. Walker Howard is, you know, your, your crown gym recruit. He's the guy with the most talent on this roster, the best arm talent for sure. And he wasn't ready to play year one. He was coming off with injuries and really needed to put on some weight and I, I'm a big believer of don't throw a young quarterback into the flames, especially if he's undersized and not a runner. A lot of times young quarterbacks can use their legs to simplify their decisions, cut the field in half, and relieve some pocket pressure. But, I mean, Walker Howard can certainly scoop, but I wouldn't define him as a dual-threat quarterback by any stretch of imagination. Regardless, you don't want to lose Walker Howard. Walker Howard's a huge deal for this program. You, you want to build your, quarter, your, your program around him and have him be a multi-year starter. Uh, and if he comes in when he's ready to go, I mean, he, I, he will be a very good player eventually. I think he will eventually be a better player than Nussmeier. I don't know when he passes up Nussmeier as a better quarterback, but I do expect that to happen. Now, you know, as, as we kind of venture back to the, the bowl game on Monday, what what are what's kind of the keys to victory for for LSU in this game? Because like like we talked about, Aiden O'Connell's out, Charlie Jones is out. You're also going to be missing quite a few players on the LSU side of things. But if you're Brian Kelly and the coaching staff, what's the mindset heading into this game? Yeah, offensively, man, you gotta you can't revert back into this conservative mindset throwing the ball. Um, Jaden Daniels has a history of, you know, we saw early in the season he was too timid throwing the ball downfield, and then late in the season he kind of reverted back to that. But midseason he was taking his shots downfield, and it was looking very good. you gotta, you got to be aggressive and push the ball downfield. You can't get timid. you got to stretch that field because if you stretch that field, you're going to open up running lanes. This team, the offensive line, isn't good enough to just bulldoze holes out. You, it's a very young offensive line that is still, you know, it's still working its, it's kinks out, right? So you got to create some lanes to run outside of just hog mollies bulldozing people. So look downfield, throw the ball, keep that open for the running game, open the running being uh, On top of the offensive line, it's also your running back room isn't where you want it to be. Fortunately, next year you're getting help with Trey Holly and Caleb Jackson, but they're not playing in this ball game. Defensively, can your defensive line, after losing, you know, uh, three of your best four rushers, can they continue that pressure? Can they continue to be a unit that doesn't give them all day to pass? Because um, everywhere else, you should feel pretty good, you know, with a backup quarterback and your two best receivers for Purdue out. You should feel good about that. You just don't want them to, you know, run wild over. You don't want the quarterback to have all day to throw because he is a senior. 
transfer from you know UCLA hasn't played much during his career, but he's a fifth year senior player, and you know it's not like LSU rolling out last year with no quarterback, uh, and you definitely don't want them running the ball all over you because you have defensive linemen out. So the, those are my two keys for me. Preston Guy of TigerBait.com joining us here on the game hotline. Preston, appreciate you as always, man. Uh, really glad you guys had a Merry Christmas. Hope you have a Happy New Year, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, man, always nice talking to you. Y'all have a Happy New Year. And there he goes, Preston Guy of TigerBait.com. Take a time out, wrap up today's show right after this here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for those fighting Tigers of LSU. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Wrapping up today's show, the poll question, will the Saints make the playoffs? 82% 82% saying no shot, no prayer. Oof, that's rough. Who that forever says, I don't even care about the playoffs. Just went out so the Eagles don't get a top five draft pick. Ton pulls out the, the Tracy Morgan gif. Nope. Ralph Bergeron says, uh, whoa, wait a minute. We're halfway there. Uh, and, and also living on a prayer. So, I, I don't think they're going to make it. I really don't. But wackier things have happened. Uh, tomorrow's edition of Crunch Time, we will preview a LSU and Arkansas SEC opener in college basketball. We will talk who that Wednesday with our guy Brendan Ertle and much more. Thanks to our guests today, Ross Jackson and Preston Guy. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe. Be well. Hug your mom and them. Don't lock yourself out your house. And we'll be back tomorrow here on Crunch Time on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros.